Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Front Row Network, the network for all things pop culture for NPR Illinois Community Voices. I'm your host today, Craig. I'm joined today by a great and illustrious panel of guests here. First of all, we have our editor-in-chief of the Front Row Network, Mr. Jeremy Geckner. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm getting flashbacks here because it's near the front row birth date, and we're talking full disclosure on a Marvel movie. It's so it's so fantastic. We're coming. Know, can full you circle. believe that that was six years ago? Six yeah. years. <laughs> six years, and nobody's you know figured out. We've been have around no for basically six years. About. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon Davis has been around for basically six years. How are you, sir? Good, good. I've been around for six years, and this is the first Marvel-related podcast I've been on. So, Wow. <laughs> A I, true convert. <laughs> we have done, uh, I think, in the lifetime of the network, we've done about, give or take, 800 episodes, and about <laughs> 560 of those have been Marvel podcasts. So it's yes. really interesting that Accurate. I haven't been on one yet. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I became a convert after I joined the network, so... Well, this is yeah. what we do. Marvel, send the checks, please. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we are joined by a very special guest from, I think you're going to like this podcast, Jacqueline. How are you? I'm great. I'm super happy to be here because you all know how I feel about Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what's great about this is that I can tell you that uh, even though you're listening to this now, you can hear me on a future episode of their show, even yeah. though we already recorded it because time has is, no meaning. Has no meaning. No meaning in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> we all feel like we're Doctor Strange just coming to Dormammu yeah. to bargain over and oh, over and over again. <laughs> That's right. So this is technically your first time on uh, the network, I believe, because we have technically had you on uh, along with Megan in the year in review. But we always like to ask a particular question of a new host, a new guest that we have coming on. So we have to ask you, what's your favorite movie? Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. This happens every time, Craig. I know. And, every time. you know, I should have been prepared for this. And if you guys listen to our show, you know that I can't make decisions. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. My favorite movie is Hercules. Nice. Oh. One of the most Bless underrated my soul. Disney what scores. A great it pick. Is, it's definitely one that just can go on and on. I like will watch it in my head sometimes. So I think So when they interviewed Susan Egan, you like had a mini freak out over that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, but wait a minute! I thought Kevin Sorbo—that was a—that was a TV show. That oh, wasn't a movie. Yeah, yeah. Good old K Sorbs there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is a really good pick, and we are so happy to have you. I wanted to get this in right up front, but we'll also let you plug at the back end of the podcast. But can you tell our listeners a bit about your show? So our show is myself and my friend Megan. Um, we're best friends, um, but because we are a little bit different age range um there's i think six seven years between us i don't remember she would tell you and she's probably telling me that i'm wrong right now <laughs> um <laughs> but we enjoy the same things but we have like missed some things that the other hasn't because of that and so it started out with us showing each other new things for our first season and now this season we have real opinions about a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> and i like to rant a lot in this season um but we're just talking 
all things pop culture. We did a whole Marvel month. We are in the middle of a Disney live action month. We have a lot of fun things planned that aren't necessarily super pop culture-y. Most of it is. <laughs> but yeah, we just talk about things that we like. So it's I have to, uh, I can't recommend it enough. You got to go back and check that out. And uh, it's just fun because it's a, it's a really nice conversation that you two have. You obviously have great chemistry with one another and it's just a fun listen. So definitely go Thank and check you. it out. Brandon, you were on a previous episode. Yeah. yeah, Brett and I. Yeah. And now I'm going to be on an episode, which means, Jeremy, I'm sorry. They just don't like you. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I, I think they're happens. not going to like happens. <laughs> Jeremy. But well, let's go ahead and dive into the latest installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have been waiting for this. There was a global <laughs> event that delayed the what? release of Black Widow, and we finally got to see it. In fact, uh, we all watched it in a slightly different way, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we talk spoilers of Black Widow, what we'd like to do at the beginning of a full disclosure is give you a bit of a non-spoiler review of this film, and that way you can think about whether or not you want to go to the theater to see this or you want to uh, go and purchase it on Premiere Access. And then after we tell you that it's going to be all spoiler. We would appreciate if you would check out the film before you listen to the rest of this episode. So I think I'm going to start with our guest. Jacqueline, can you tell me your non-spoiler impressions review of Black Widow? It's hard for me to not do spoilers, but I loved it. I was terrified going into it because Black Widow is my girl and I'm obsessed (laughs) with her. I want to be her, but I loved it i didn't i didn't expect a lot of things but i'm happy that they were there um they did a really really good job not messing up the girl power that was so so good like the girl moments were really all that i needed and i got everything out of them that i possibly could there were no like stupid boy problems that they always like to throw into the girl movies but i i I loved it i loved it that's great uh jeremy give me your first impressions your kind of non-spoiler review of black widow yeah so i'll I'll be a little brief here because you know i wrote an article um, with all of these things in it on npr illinois so obviously all my somewhat unspoiled opinions are out there but yeah i i totally agree with you jacqueline they I don't know. I don't know if it was pressure because, you know, it's like it's not the first female led superhero movie, but it's definitely a very overdue one for Marvel, um, especially in the realm of the MCU. And you can tell that they really took their time with developing the story in this one, because that's what really caught me off guard in this movie was those story beats and those character development beats. Um, You know, they introduce us to three brand new main characters we've never even heard of in the MCU before. And they do such a good job of rounding those characters out in this movie. Um, It's, it's great. The action is fantastic. I love, love, love how this movie begins. It's just so innocuous and just so like calm and steadying, not what you're expecting from a black widow movie. And then it just on a dime just gets going and it's very unarming. So um, I think this is, if this is the one to bring Marvel back to the movie theaters, man, oh man, I'm glad that they held off and, and, and waited for it because it's a, it's a movie you need to see in the theaters, I think. And I know we're going to get into that, but I'm glad I saw it there and it was my first foray back. 
I agree with you to a certain extent. I think that they did an excellent job of giving us Yelena, who is going to, uh, again, and this is this fits in the non-spoiler area because we know that Natasha uh, met her end during Endgame. That, I guess, is a spoiler to the largest <laughs> movie ever made. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> what I'll say is that I was watching this film with Anna, who uh, has probably only seen, I think three or four different MCU films. I know she's seen Guardians. I think she saw the first Thor and this, and I think that that might be it. And I'll tell you, it was a bit of explaining things uh, (laughs) quite a bit during this film because the story really expected you to come uh, with a lot of knowledge base for this. Now, I understand why they are at that point. I mean, they've had 20 plus other films. Um, They're saying, you know, this is a continuation of the story. We can't go back and we can't just reintroduce an audience every single film. But I will say that there were connection points that were not all that uh, more than obscure that they were making throughout this film to tie things in. And it was so action forward and action oriented. I don't think that there's been this much action in a Marvel film in a really long time. It really didn't stop for any narrative storytelling a lot. It just kept going with the action. There were so many large set pieces throughout this film. And I'm not saying that that was a bad thing. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. It was just not what I was expecting. I don't think when I sat down to watch a black, Widow movie, you you know, there's kind of a a theme that goes into these Marvel movies and a a bit of a formula where they start off with a really big action set piece, and then they give you a lot of exposition and narrative, and they build up the story. You get a bit of a set piece in the middle where usually they uh, don't succeed at whatever their goal is, and then at the end of the film, you get this awesome, huge action piece. But this really never stopped. It just kept going throughout. There was a lot of times... uh, In fact, I'm stealing this from Brandon because we were watching it uh, with him over Premiere Plus. And he said, oh, I thought that this part that was in the trailer was going to be in the final bit of the movie. It actually happens like halfway through the film. And so it was such an action forward, action oriented, really summer blockbuster type of MCU film in my mind. So if you're thinking about the MCU tries to do different genres of film, whether that be a heist movie for Ant-Man or you had uh, sort of the spy thriller in Captain America Winter Soldier. This, to me, is the closest thing to their summer blockbuster of any of the movies that they've introduced. And that is not speaking ill of summer blockbusters. That is me saying it was an extremely exciting and fun movie to watch. But Brandon, what are your non-spoiler reviews on this? Okay, well, let me preface this. This is my first Marvel podcast for our listeners. Um, I only know these movies... I don't know the comics whatsoever. I'm always texting Jeremy after the movies are over. Shame asking. him, audience. Shame <laughs> him. I said my only, my only area of focus is these movies, so it's all I know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm constantly, you know, asking, you know, what should I know? But, um, yeah, it, I think this was a great foray back into the MCU. Um, I feel like this was Marvel's James Bond um, movie, you know, they, because it, from beginning to end, it was set piece after set piece, but uh, really great character development for Natasha. Um, I've actually seen this movie twice. I saw it um, with, um, I saw it on Disney plus watching at the same time as Craig. And then I went with friends to the theater last night. So I can, uh, I can attest to uh, both viewings when we get into that later on, but <laughs> it, uh, it really, no, I really, really 
enjoyed it. It was a great in-depth look at a character who's been, you know, unfairly overlooked, you know, over the last 10 years, I feel like. So it was great to get to spend more time with her. Um, I, I also love the three new characters that were introduced in it. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely a great sort of palate cleanser to get us back into the feature film era of the MCU. What I'd like to do now is, I know this isn't a Beyond the Mouse movie or film review, although I will say that Disney owns the world, and the world. so this is, of course, under the <laughs> Disney umbrella. But in the Beyond the Mouse podcast pals group, what we've been doing for these new releases is putting it out there that if anybody has any comments, non-spoiler, uh, that we would share those on the episode. And we did have a couple of them put in, particularly Megan. I, where, where might Megan be from? I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe Jacqueline's co-host. She said, I loved it so much, the perfect send-off for Nat, but I have to say, as a newly appointed girl mom, the beginning was super hard for me to sit through. I thought they did a really good job of going into the darkness of Nat's story and still have those moments of lightness, of buoyancy. Also, the action scenes are the best ones from Marvel movie ever, especially the one that was in the kitchen. That is and I will comments. tell you guys, I looked over, I was sitting in the movie theater between her and my mom. And in that very beginning thing, they were both crying. <laughs> both <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought I would be the one to cry first. I was wrong. <laughs> I mean, like, I want to do a whole deep dive on the first 10 minutes of this movie because yeah. it's, it's quite amazing. But really <laughs> we'll keep going with the comments for now. <laughs> Yeah, and then we just have uh, from Philip from Super GG Radio. He said, excellent send-off indeed for Black Widow. Awesome action, great special effects, and a good movie, not just for a Marvel film, but in general. David Harbour made the Red Guardian a likable character. (laughs) A few nice deep-cut references to the Russian versions of the Avengers, the Winter Guard. It also is a nice setup for the next overall story plot, which will have some of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't think the story gave the Taskmaster character its due, and how and where it fits in the MCU canon feels a little dubious and shoehorned. So he's just saying, you know, it might, and I can understand that because this is a, this is a movie that is in an odd time and place. And I think we'll get into that more once we get into the spoiler section. Although everyone should know going into this, if you haven't seen this film yet, this does take place. I actually thought it was taking place in between Infinity War and Endgame because what I did was I wanted to make sure that I was completely non-spoiled from this. So I probably read more about this film right after Endgame than any other time. I didn't really go back and watch the trailers and whatnot. So I was surprised when this film takes place actually after Captain America's Civil War as opposed to uh, the events that had happened in Infinity War. So it does precede a lot of the films that we have uh, up to this point, at least three films that we have after this. And that would be Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and also Endgame. This all happens before that happens. So it is kind of a playing with the timeline a little bit. And it's not necessarily an origin story in the way that some uh, movies that have gone back in time are in the MCU. So it's just an interesting thing. Now, the last thing I want to do before we get into the spoilers of this film, I want to go around the horn here and ask if you feel, and I know that some of you, most of you, I think all of you actually had seen this in the theaters But what we like to do on Beyond the Mouse, because Premiere Access has been kind of a contentious point uh, amongst Disney fans and the general audience, what I'd like you to do is to tell me, and you can explain it a bit if you'd like, would you purchase this on Premiere Access or would you tell someone that's listening to this point of the podcast it is worth $30 to watch in your own home or not? And I'll start with Brandon. 
Well, considering I paid both for the premiere access <laughs> and then they, <laughs> And then Marvel's the movie's got you in the bag now, and classic, movie, man. I, but, yeah. but but and all when Craig asked me to watch it with him, uh, those of you who've been listening know about our Friday night flick stuff. But um, when he asked me to do that, I knew that I had family members who were going to want to watch it anyway. So I said, I'm going to end up buying it on Premiere Access anyway. But um, you, you know, I. If you're still uncomfortable and go, going to the theater, um, which I know that there's probably part of the population that is, um, I think it's totally worth it to do the 30 bucks. However, going the next night and only spending seven bucks to see it on the big screen kind of <laughs> canceled that feeling out for me for a little bit. But, um, you know, and I'm, I'm the big flag waver for the movie theater experience at the front row. So seeing it the next night on the big screen, it just, it, it was even more enjoyable for me. So, um, yeah, if you're if you're still not comfortable though seeing it with people in a big theater experience, totally spend the thirty bucks because it's worth it. I will say that uh, this was. I'm always in the bag for all these premiere access movies. I'm also going to be getting Jungle Cruise later on this month, which you'll find a full disclosure probably in early August from Beyond the Mouse. Yeah. But uh, I. We'll say that what's nice about Premiere Access as opposed to, and I've said this other times in other reviews, uh, as opposed to the rental way that other studios have done their releases where you get something for 48 hours and uh, it costs $20. What I like about the $30 and uh, Premiere Access is that you do get that film now until really for forever. Now it does go release to the general audience sometime in October. So that is just around the corner, but I can basically go back and watch Black Widow anytime that I want to now. And to me, that is worth it as a fan because I do enjoy going back and watching, even if it's just those individual set pieces and action shots, uh, maybe not the whole film again or in bits and pieces. You know, as a parent of a young child, it's still nice to be able to do some of this from my house. I do feel comfortable going to a theater, but I'll tell you what, uh, it's going to take a minute for me to get back because I am so uh, greedy with having these at my fingertips and being able to watch them. I know that it is a different experience, certainly, but I, I just... Of course, I was going to pay $30 for this. And I would say that you should too, because it is something that I think has a lot of rewatch value to it. And it is such a great story for Natasha, but also for the MCU in general. Jacqueline, what are your thoughts? Would you spend $30 on Premiere Access? For this movie, yes. I am very much... I want to see the movie in the movie theater. I love movie theaters. I love that whole thing. Like I had when I saw Cruella, I didn't watch it on Disney Plus. I watched it in the drive-in because it was the closest thing that I had. <laughs> and it just this movie is just so good that I think if you are not comfortable going into a movie theater, pay the thirty dollars. Pay the thirty dollars. Watch don't watch it on your laptop or on your phone. Watch it at least on a regular size TV. <laughs> but you. I 100% buy it on Disney Plus if you are not comfortable going to the movie theater. If you are comfortable, go. Go right now. <laughs> there are showtimes all over. There's a thousand theaters to go to. It's playing at the drive-in. So you can still have the movie theater experience and be in your own car and be with who you want to be. But, um, yeah, if you do not want to go to a movie theater pay the $30, see it on Disney Plus, watch it over and over again. I will probably split it between my mom and I because she pays for Disney Plus, but I will give her half of it so that we can watch Black Widow whenever we want to. 
Okay. Martin Scorsese over here. Tell me not to watch it on my phone. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Geckner, how about you, sir? Would you uh, advocate or would you yourself spend $30 on this on Premier Access? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, if I'm spending 30, let's be honest, I'm sneaking in a nice little dinner into the theater for me um, if it's 30 bucks here. Um, no. Um, yes. I mean, look, the, the movie quality wise is good enough for a $30 fee, especially to um, watch whenever you want, um, because there's a lot of stuff in this film that you might want to watch again. Um, but yes, I agree. And I mean, like, you know, the title of my review is, you know, <laughs> reminds us why Marvel owns the big screen experience because it is a big screen experience. You know, um, I have a feeling this movie would be insane in IMAX. Um, I couldn't get to the IMAX preview, but I got to the regular and there is just something magical about that theater when you just sit in there and the lights go down and it's just right there on this huge screen in front of you. There is a community aspect to it. Um, so I would still advocate like see this on as big a screen as as possible if that is in your home yes pay the 30 dollars for it all right all right so that is it for our non-spoiler i should say before we get into the full spoilers here that it is a uh, sunday night that we're recording this and so we do know the initial box office numbers this made nearly 90 million dollars in its opening weekend so it does Whoop. seem like the theater is back definitely coming back in a big, big bad way disney was also very quick to release their yeah. disney plus <laughs> yeah. premiere access way numbers, quicker <laughs> which they have not really done traditionally in the past it's always been like different apps and things like that or different trackers would try to piece together how much money they made for Mulan or for Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm. But I will tell you what, Disney really wanted you to know <laughs> that they made $60 million. Hey guys, hey access. guys, hey, hey, hey guys, hey guys. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Uh, also Add them together. The, Add them together, please. <laughs> I believe with the overseas haul, if I'm not mistaken, that was also around $80 million uh, from what I saw. I think I was just looking at it on Twitter before we started. So don't quote me as thoroughly on that number, but definitely a large take for Black Widow this weekend. And it does seem like more and more the theater is coming back, which of course is very cool for people like us who love movies. So now we're going to go into the spoilers of Black Widow. So if you have not seen Black Widow, turn on your phone or your iPad or your TV at home <laughs> and then go buy tickets to the movie theater, right? Because Jacqueline doesn't want you watching it on your phone. So make sure at you go. At least for the first time. <laughs> make sure you go and buy that and then go see this film and come back to us for the spoilers after that. So we will start here in three, two, one. Well, Jeremy, does people, do people die in this film? Somebody does die, or do they? Uh, only if you believe fire kills people. <laughs> so, Which we've seen it doesn't in this very right. film. <laughs> Actually, you know, what I'd like to do uh, even before, I, I, I wanted to kind of save this for the spoiler section, even though it's not necessarily a spoiler, but I... I know that the three of you went back into the theater and you talked a bit about that experience, but now you can kind of freely discuss if there were plot points or something like if there were points in the film where you really um, loved the fact that you were in a theater. And so I just wanted to open the door to that during your first impressions of the film, your spoiler first impressions to say, if you wanted to add on there, what the experience of going back into the theater was, because this is kind of, it's such a weird time, right? I mean, it's, it's a, uh, 
we can kind of revel in the fact that we're going back to the theater. And I think that um, even if this becomes a bit of a time capsule to a time where we are returning back into the theater, I think that that's something that we ought to document. So I'm going to start with our guest first. Again, your kind of spoiler-filled first impressions, anything you want to say about the film, also the experience of seeing it in the movie theater. So when this movie first started, I was shaking because I was nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous. And initially, the very like opening thing, I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. And then Alexi was the father figure, and I almost lost it. <laughs> like, my mom and Megan were next to me, and they're like, are you okay? And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, Oh no, because if this is what they're going to do, the whole rest <laughs> of it, I'm not going to like. Because Red Guardian, that, so Alexei Shostakov, which is who that, that name is, is the one that she marries. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you can't do that. All they had to do was pick a different name. That's it. There's like six other Red Guardians, just pick a different name. That is the only like huge issue that I had and it's such a like weird thing that hung me up and so I was just like I was having a problem (laughs) and the very beginning with like all the flashback stuff and just them getting the girls and all of that and then the rest of it started and I was like okay I'm good now (laughs) but I was incredibly worried when it first started I really really was and then we just get into the gnat of it all and Florence and just everything. And it was great. And I didn't like Florence Pugh to start with. Like she is not one of my favorite actresses in general. So I was really worried, (laughs) but she made it so much better. She did such a fantastic job and she was so funny. (laughs) She was so funny. And one of my favorite things is when they're in the like store and she's asking her about the poses (laughs) (laughs) And I actually watched an interview about that. And apparently, like, when she and Scarlett first met, she had, like, asked her the same question. And they were talking and joking about it. And so one of the writers was like, yep, we're going to put that in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was really funny. I love the whole vest thing. That was hilarious. Um, And I love, like, I knew that there was something about the vest in, like, Endgame and Infinity War. So... And then I was like sending people pictures. I'm like, look, she's wearing the vest. Like I told you, <laughs> she did this. But I, after I got past the initial beginning part, I loved absolutely every single minute of it. It was so great. I actually liked what they did with Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I know that it's a totally different character, but I wasn't upset about it. And I hope that we get to see more and I hope that we get the snarkiness that comes with Taskmaster because even <laughs> though the original one is like a guy and he's a snark, um, I hope that we get some of that because I think that they're going to continue and add more with Taskmaster and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. I have a question about Taskmaster for you comics people. Yeah, go ahead. Ooh. So, so is, so is the, the Taskmaster, is it, special powers or is it a technology so confused on that okay so in the comics and again this also kind of depends on which comic version you're reading but most of the time it's an eidetic memory type thing where Mm -hmm. he like can see these people fighting and he automatically can mimic it so it is kind of like a high cognitive ability of his but there are iterations that also do augment it with technology a a lot like they do in this one Um, okay yeah 
They certainly at the beginning wanted you to believe that uh, Taskmaster was just straight up robot, right? Yeah, right. In the- 100%. <laughs> so my, the favorite thing, going back to uh, something you said there about Florence Pugh, uh, and we'll t- totally get into Yelena as a character here in a minute, but the best thing I said all night was turning to Anna and going, you may remember her from her role in Little Women. <laughs> and, so, <Yeah. laughs> and that's why I didn't like her. <laughs> you know what? I'm the same way about her in Little Women, man. I did not like that performance, mostly because no. I hate that character. But yeah. um, and <laughs> the then white hot she, passion. And then when she throws the fit, and that's what I was like, there she goes throwing fit again. Yep, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, you want to go next? Yeah. So I mean, like, and I know that we'll, I'll probably save like specifics there, but again, like for a little later, but again, the beginning of this movie is so important into how they're going to structure it because we've been waiting like a year, a full year to see this movie. We've seen what Natasha does in eight other MCU films. We've seen how action packed she is, how her skill set as a superheroic power is just so incredible. And then to like get into that and start the movie with just young Yelena and young um, Natasha, like playing in a field, just like a normal set of people. Um, it was really, really just quite amazing there. And I think that, Part of that is, you know, just I'm expecting this big action set piece and it just gives me like this little slice of American life in like the 80s. It very slowly builds to that action, too. Like even like the the, the tension of that opening just keeps ratcheting tighter and tighter as they get to the airfield. And as you know, you see him look around and then when David Harbour just throws the thing in the air, that's when you absolutely know like, oh, OK, now we're getting into Marvel. So that that really was my big first impression of like, OK, they're playing a different game here than, than we're used to. And that's gonna, this is going to be something special. Brandon, what about you? What were your uh, first impressions of the film? Well, first and of all, I guess your the... second impressions. You've seen yeah. this yeah. Uh, more than yeah, yeah. Well, 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 first of all, you know, with the uh, watching it the first time, um, like I said, I loved it. I felt like it was a you know Marvel meets James Bond kind of thing because it was so action packed and everything. But I, I kind of felt guilty after I was done of it because I loved Florence Pugh so much. But I really didn't come away with too many impressions of Scarlett Johansson. So mm-hmm. when I watched it the second time, I was able to really look at her performance this time around. And I think I think it's the best thing she's done for the MCU so far. I mean, just in terms of even performance, I think she is so good in just the quiet. She gets so many quiet moments at the beginning. And um, she's, she's just you know, fantastic. And I'm so glad they finally built a film around her. But yeah, I think that the opening was so different than any other Marvel movie I'm used to. And it really, it is heartbreaking, you know, when you, you know, see them inject these two young girls, you know, you know, to to get them to, you know, to carry them off eventually and stuff. But it, it, it really, it really sort of shows you the darkness that, you know, Natasha's childhood was filled with. And it, it does. It flows very, very well. And I, I told Jeremy that, um, you know, normally, like, when I – I forget – yeah, when I went to see Infinity War, I hadn't seen quite a few of the other Marvel movies. And so I texted Jeremy afterwards and was like, I need a flow chart to tell me who all these people are. <laughs> but I didn't need that this time because I'm all caught up and I knew all the references. So that was, that was fun. Jeremy would I be proud of I get that reference. Yes. Always proud of you, Brandon. Always yes. proud of you. <laughs> 
I get that reference. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's. I completely agree with you that I think what comes out of this script so much, uh, my overall impression of the film is that uh, we are setting up Elena to really take on this mantle and to be a huge character within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And also, uh, of course, going over to Disney Plus to the Hawkeye series coming out later this year. It's just incredible the work that they did to build her up as a character and and she put in such a great portrayal uh, of that character. But it also equally for me was a great send off for Scarlett Johansson because it, it allowed for those moments of quiet, like you were saying, Brandon. And to me, the capsulation of her career as Black Widow was when she was fighting the widows. And at the end of that, where she basically just says, you know, you're free, you can go like you, you are free to, to go and live your life. It was like almost a moment of inspiration that um, comes at, you know, her end, you know, that she only has a few more years left. And then she's going to uh, die on this planet that I don't know, it was something about that, that really touched me for her character. And Scarlett Johansson throughout this whole saga, I mean, she joined us at Iron Man too. You know, it's, it's like, she's been that character for so long and has never really gotten the credit that she deserves in that character. Uh, we can definitely, and I'm happy to throw it out there that I love Marvel uh, to death, but they took way too long to get to this movie. And we, we have multiple uh, Iron Mans. We have multiple Captain Americas. We have multiple Thors. And we finally get around to Black Widow. You know, she is uh, someone that is one of the critical pieces of the Avengers. And I did like that, too, because they made references to the Avengers so frequently in this film and almost like the people around her, the family around her saying like that she wasn't worthy to call herself an Avenger. Uh, And I thought that that was kind of meta in a way because her not getting this film until now and not even being the first female led film, certainly black widow should have had that mantle, but we had to get captain Marvel. And then uh, to a lesser extent, Ant-Man and the wasp before we were able to get to her. So it's just a, I thought just a beautiful portrayal. And so I, what I want to do now is kind of go right into talking about some of those characters and talking about their story arcs. And in particular, I really just want to focus a bit on the family because yes, of course there are villains and there are enemies and there are bad guys in this movie. But I think so much of this big old action piece is all about family. Maybe this is the film about family and get out of the way fast and furious because (laughs) black widow (laughs) is coming to take that mantle from you. But I want, uh, Jacqueline, you're so close to this character. You know, I know that you've cosplayed as black widow. You really dig the comics. How do you think they handled the family dynamic? And if you wanted to go into particular characters uh, within the family, how do you think the writing of this film was? Once I got over the Alexi Red Guardian of it all, because, then that took a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just so dead set on it being wrong. I just, it, it took me a minute. I really, 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 really loved obviously Nat and Yelena, like the two of them together, one of like my most favorite scenes, I know Megan's most favorite scenes, like just everything was them fighting in the kitchen when they first see each other in Budapest. And it's just the fact that they're like, I will kill you, but I'm, I'm going to not, if we can come to the same thing. And they do. And they fight exactly the same. 
because they're trained exactly the same and just how they just kept coming to like these impasse and then eventually it's just like okay like we're done let's move on with our lives but I and and then you get so much of just like the little sister that you like Yelena truly is where she's just like ragging on her the whole time and she's like actually you're wrong actually you're wrong also do you like this vest see i knew you liked this vest (laughs) and she's like it's so just like very little sister of her and i loved that i loved the two of them together it was so great um and then when we get like the whole family when they're at um Mm -hmm. melina and they're at the farm and everything and just how they're they're talking and david harbour is being a ridiculous like bumbling idiot almost and they're like they're just talking about how like nat's mad because none of it was real and florence is like it was all real to me like you guys need to stop and just like that whole conversation i really 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 liked until she went and threw the fit in in the room Uh, because that i don't like that but just like just them having that conversation and then eventually um melina being like it was real for me. Like, yes, you guys were my assignment and I did what I was supposed to do, but you're still my girls. And that, I really, really liked that. I really, really liked it a lot. There were moments in this movie that were just so touching and real and raw. Like, um, and, and, and this isn't necessarily a touching moment, but even uh, when they're in the helicopter and talking about how they can't have children, like yeah. there's moments in this film where it's just like, holy moly, the the writing, uh, the writing is just phenomenal when it comes to uh, moving the plot along, moving the story along. Um, but yes, I, I love the aspect that you get of the little sister, the sibling rivalry throughout. I really enjoy that. Uh, and the little bits that they know that they can frustrate each other with, right? Because there's no one that can frustrate you better than a sibling. And uh, you get that. You get that sense through this film. Um, Brandon, your thoughts on any of the family members? You want to talk about some of the character development here? Well, like Jacqueline said, I, I think it's one of the best sister relationships I've seen in a movie in a long time um, because it's it's so real. You know, they're frustrating each other one second and then they're totally on board with one another the next moment. Um, going back to what you were talking about, Craig, in terms of like meta moments in the movie, I love the moment in the gas station uh, aside from the pose thing. But when she's telling um, when when Yelena is telling Natasha, you know, uh, about being an Avenger, you're not one of the big ones. And that was such a meta moment because Black Widow hasn't been treated like one of the big ones, you know, after all this time. And so that, that, that was, that was a great moment. You know, I love when they're reunited with Alexi and, you know, and the first thing that he gets is a punch in the face from Yelena while she's flying. Um, <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just fun. And, 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 you know, my favorite scenes in the movie, as great as all the action stuff are, is just the scenes with these characters talking to one another. Um, because you get so much, you know, character development and those little bits and, and David Harbour, he always <laughs> makes such, his acting choices are always definite and strong. He doesn't, you know, half anything. And, uh, so it's, it's so, you know, awesome because this, with this character, he got to be bold and definite the whole time. And, um, in another actor's hands, you know, some of his, you know, comic hijinks might have come off a little hammy, but they don't with him because, because he plays everything so bold, it comes off as truthful. 
And um, I, I think I think he was really, really great. And, and, and Rachel, Rachel Weiss the same way. I, I don't think we got enough of Rachel Weiss. I wish we had seen a little more of her because she comes in later um, compared to everybody. But yeah, I, you, you know, and one of my questions, and I don't know if you're planning on getting this later, I want to know what happened to, to those three during the blip. I want to know if they all got dusted or what happened to them <laughs> during that five year period. Mm, that is a very good question. And I wonder if we will find any of that out in a future series for sure. But David Harbour, you know, when he's starting to put on the suit, that is like, that was uh, like every, you can give me that moment in The Incredibles. You can give it to me in Black Widow. You can give it to me in every movie until the end of time. It is always going to be funny because it always hits at the core of everything that it is to be a dude growing up. Uh, it's trying to fit uh, into that suit one more time for sure. But Jeremy, your thoughts on some of the family members here and any of their character development that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, definitely. I mean, get out of the way. David Harbour, <laughs> he's got this very amazing blend of like charm and like real gravitas as an actor. I mean, like it, it really is kind of this very strange mixture that he's able to do there. So like when we meet Alexi and he is so self-obsessed and so like he wants to know if Captain America mentioned him knowing full well, he's never met Captain America and he's never battled Captain America. And yet he still wants to know if when he got re like when he got out of the ice, if he mentioned him, I guess in reading about him or something like it, it's so insanely good. But yet when he's saying those things, because it's David Harbour, you're just like, oh, man, I love this guy. Um, so, I mean, it's just this very strange thing. But he's also able to have those quiet moments. When he starts singing American Pie back to Yelena, it, it's one of those truly touching moments in, in the show. And, of course, or in the movie. And, of course, it's uh, I was reading over the weekend. That was something he actually added into the movie. Um, you know, they were trying to find a way, like apparently he said the original cut, he just left that scene. And then he's like, no, we need something to like connect us here where he's not saying he was a good father, but he's saying he tried. And, you know, like that kind of is what you get from that. And again, like the, the great trick of this movie is that it is telling, you know, you're right, Craig, we, we meet Natasha in Iron Man 2. She's in seven other MCU entries before this film. And at, like every single time we get a little bit more of her backstory. In Avengers, we learn about something happened with Dracov's daughter and something happened in Budapest. Um, you know, in also in Age of Ultron, we learn that she was, you know, forcibly hysterectomied by the Red Room. And we get little glimpses when uh, Wanda gives them their their visions with her chaos magic. And like every so often, every so often, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, she says she can't trust people. Um, you know, in Endgame, she's talking about how much it hurts her that her adoptive family of the Avengers has been lost. You know, these little things, little things, little things. And now in this movie, Kate Shortland does such a great job, the director, of making those points hit home. You know, why do like and, and for me, one of the hardest things that hit me in the movie, especially when it comes to the family dynamic, is it's when they escape in the plane and then they land and you realize, oh, wait, Alexi and Melina, it's literally just a mission. And then Alexi uses his fatherly you know, charm to drug them so that they can then go into this amazing Smells Like Teen Spirit sequence showing how they're trafficked out to all these people. Um, which, again, that, so that was just like the most haunting part of me. It was just like, man, how do you 
as Natasha, as a young girl, you bond, you connect with this younger, this adoptive sister here. And even through all of the conditioning and the torture of the Red Room, you still keep that connection inside of you. And you still find a way to like get out of it. And I love those moments in this. And that's what makes that scene with the family around the table so dynamic, is that you are dealing with some deep betrayals here really deep betrayals like they Natasha and and Yelena have no reason to not beat the crap out of these two people because they sent them back to the red room to be tortured and turned into these assassins and yet there's still that connection there because even if it was fake even if it wasn't real it was real enough to them that it's now worth fighting for and you're right I can't wait to see what more they do with Yelena but I'm hoping they keep around Alexi and Melina too because there's so much more they can do with those characters especially now considering what do these widows do? You know, what do they do out there? And don't forget, they make that larger context problem of there's a bigger black widow family here all over the world that are yeah. conditioned with this kind of stuff. So there's tons more they could do. I would love a Disney plus series of just them leading a team of those widows to, to, to um, awake, I guess you would call it these, these other conditioned widows around the world. You know, and I just think that they did such a, a wonderful job of bringing this family together and uh, giving us this dysfunctional unit that led into this, like you were saying, Jeremy, just this really deeply disturbing and dark backstory that they're able to present in a way um, that allows us to really uh, love these characters and come out of this really enjoying each piece of the individual pie that comes together as this family. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to mention too. I think one of my, uh, honestly, like one of my like chest swelling moments of this was after the red room has been destroyed and uh, Natasha is on, it's when they're going to start going down and she's going to uh, jump and save her sister and the Avengers theme played. Yeah. And then it's like, it's one of those times where having a score like that is just so great because I, I was ready for it to be there. And it just like, it, it hit at the right time, especially all this talk about not be truly being an Avenger and all of that. And then you get that score just, Oh gosh, that would, the end of the movie too. that would have been a yeah. moment to see it in the theater just for that. Uh, would have I been have too. chills again, just talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, it was just so wonderful. Well, it's also, you think chronologically, you would probably watch Infinity War after this. So, yeah. mm -hmm. or yeah. at least very closely to it. I don't know. We'll wait for Feige to tell us where it officially goes in the timeline here. I want to, before we jump into talking about the production, I do want to uh, hit on Florence Pugh one more time because I do think that coming out of this, she is going to be someone that is a major player within the MCU and perhaps, who knows, one day having a film of her own. Uh, Marvel likes to grab these up-and-coming actors and really groom them into really multi-picture deals, multi-series deals from here. So my question to all of you, do you think that this has set her up enough to carry on whatever mantle Scarlett Johansson is giving her here. Uh, and I will start by saying my 
maybe the least controversial comment uh, in this Zoom call tonight is going to be that at least they found a dialect coach that can teach some Russian because, holy moly, she is so much better than Elizabeth Olsen uh, at this accent. And I think that she does a wonderful job and should be able to propel this character forward. Uh, But I want to hear from all of you. And I'm going to go in the opposite order I've been going in because Jeremy's always had to go last. So, Jeremy, uh, do you think that Florence Pugh can hold her own in the MCU no, as an I'm, actress in this character. I shouldn't say necessarily as the character, <laughs> but this is more of her actual acting here. Yeah. Well, I think, well, I think Florence Pugh is a very talented actress. I mean, you don't get an Oscar nomination as young as she is by not being good. Um, but I will say this, like, I think that Yelena as a character is so much great is so much better because of that really dry wit that she has in this movie. And I, I wrote it in my article, but I was like, I cannot wait to see if they pair her up with like a Thor or a star Lord somewhere down the line. And just like how like her just dry stuff would just be there. Like one of my biggest laughs in the theater was when she bazooka the guard tower in the winter prison. And she's just like, ha, it's like, that's fantastic. It's like, that would be a great way to die. I, I know. Right. It's so, it's so great. Um, but so I, I was ta- uh, chatting with Brandon about this, though, but I do think since we're in spoiler world now, I think what the post credit scene and what Yelena's character specifically in this movie is setting up is kind of an a la Thunderbolts thing. And that might be good for her because it'll really, again, let her kind of work that personality off of some other things. I think that we can pretty much assume that. Um, U.S. agent John Walker would be in that team up in some way, especially mm-hmm. with the Valentina connection there. But, you know, I think that moving forward, I think she did a really great job here of stepping her foot in the Black Widow world, but not being a clone and having so much of an, a distinct personality of her own. And now there's also this revenge factor that they're setting up that might be really, really good because throughout this whole movie, she's trying to stay detached. I mean, even when she's about to sacrifice herself to kill Drakov, you know, and, and again, just an epic, awesome line. This was fun. And she just like blows the helicopter up. But even at that point, it's like, it's not emotional. It's not emotional at all. It's just kind of like, okay, whatever. She's always finding herself reserved except for that one scene at the table. So I think that, yeah, like this, I, I can't wait to see what she does here because it's something that we don't have that much of in the MCU yet. I would have never thought to turn uh, Clint into the bad guy after Endgame. Uh, so you could make really that case. You could make that case if nobody knows what happened there. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Because we as an audience have seen what truly transpired uh, there. And of course, they have not. So it's really interesting. How does Valentina know that? that? That's what I want to know. How does she know what happened? Everything. Oh, Madam Hydra knows all, right? I know. She She's kind of like this Madam Hydra Victoria hand combo yeah. right now, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Brandon, uh, any other thoughts on Florence Pugh's performance? Oh, no. I mean, just uh, what Jeremy said the, sar- the sarcastic dry wit is, you know, her. You know her best attribute, and I. She, she's going to be best when she gets to play off of somebody. So, um, like you said, you know, now if um, if if somehow she comes into contact with John Walker, someone as you know straight laced and boring yeah. as he is, she'll, she she she's the perfect balloon popper yeah. for all of that kind of stuff. So <laughs> so yeah, I can so so put her with someone who's really really straight laced and takes themselves too seriously, and she'll pop that balloon right away. Mm-hmm. So that be that'd be a lot of fun so yeah she i i'd love to see something with her on her own but the fun is her being you know with someone to play off of 
Yeah, I loved the moment uh, where she does the pose coming down uh, <laughs> no. from dropping down from the ceiling, and she's like, just yeah. like, oh, gross. <laughs> like, you know, it's just it's so perfect. So perfect. Jacqueline, uh, any final thoughts on that particular character, on Florence Pugh as an actress? Because, uh, I mean, you had said at the beginning, you know, you weren't 100% sold on her. Did she sell you throughout the film? Do you think that she can she, do this moving forward? She did. I definitely like her now. Um, I'm still not going to like her in Little Women. Nope, never, <laughs> never. And I know we're supposed to hate that character, but anyway, um, she definitely sold me here. Um, I am excited to see her. I know that she is contracted to be in Hawkeye in the Disney Plus series, so we're going to see her like no matter what ends up happening. Um, and I, I want to see her fight Clint, like. Because she's so different from Natasha, but also the same. And he's going to be like, excuse me. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I know. Even if, like, Especially if she I, mimics Nat's movements. That'd right. be really great. And, like, he's also super sarcastic and ridiculous. And I just want to see them have a conversation. Mm. I want to see it. Like, I, I'm really excited to see what ends up happening with her. But I think she can. I think she, she sold me on... Elena and she sold me on like continuing and making something out of it. Like Jeremy said, like the Thunderbolts thing or like the Dark Avengers, however they want to like go with it. I'm cool with it. I think it, I think it'd be really, really good. What happens when we do these Marvel full disclosures? We've talked about the characters and we've talked about how they connect to the comics and we do all of this stuff. And then it ends up being an hour into the show before we get to anything else. So uh, I do want us to go on to basically production, favorite scenes, whatever else you'd like to talk about in this section that you haven't already gotten to say uh, about this film. And then we're going to go into what might not have worked for us and then kind of close up and wrap up with where we think the MCU is heading from here because that's that's always a fun thing to do and see how wrong we are uh, listening back to this maybe even a year from now. But one thing that I wanted to mention was I was not familiar with the name Kate Shortland at all as the director of this film. And, you know, I'm still not really. This film was so well directed. And you can say that uh, Marvel at this point is fairly formulaic, but they do allow for their directors to have their own kind of particular uh, influence on the filming process and on the look of the characters and how they're designed and how they're developed. Uh, And and I think that this film, again, was just a a wonderfully put together film. I I wanted to ask Jeremy in particular, because uh, she really doesn't have too many credits, according to IMDb. Where did they find Kate Shortland to direct this film? You know, it's it's always unknown where they find some of these guys. I mean, like John Watts had two uh, films to his name. Now, to be fair, one of those was Cop Car, which was a fantastic movie before they gave him the Spider-Man gigs. Um, and now he's also Shepard and directing Fantastic Four. So, I mean, like they, they have a way of doing this. But I think what they look for here, um, because, you know, I think Berlin Syndrome was her her big kind of like breakout um and and i think that what happens there is like marvel is always looking they're never really looking for the action directors they're never really looking for somebody that does like big blockbuster movies they want people who tell good stories that goes all the way back to iron man one and getting and getting john favreau as the director of that because it's all about telling the best story and what i think that they saw with um kate shortland here is that um especially in berlin syndrome you know, there is just a lot of, of development of those characters in that. And, and it's just like, 
there's nothing about that, that that is taken for granted in that movie. And what happens with this movie at the, at the same time, you've really got a primary principal cast here, but nothing is taken for granted. And they give you reasons for what's happening here. So I think when they meet with these directors, they're really looking for, do you have an idea about what this character is, not what this movie is. I mean, you, the famous story about Taika Waititi getting uh, Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. was he came in there with like these insane drawings and he was playing immigrant song on this, on his phone and just like going nuts and crazy in the room. He's like, this is what Thor is. He didn't say this is what this story is. So, and I think that that's the common thread here. So, and, and I wrote it in my article, she's balancing so many things in this movie and mm-hmm. doing them perfectly that if I were Marvel, I would try to hold on to her because she's going to close out this thing pretty soon um, if if they're not careful because she's going to she's going to win an Oscar someday if she keeps making films like this. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the name there. I was going to bring up the fact it almost seems like Kevin Feige will go and see uh, these fairly uh, independent or um, kind of under the radar type films and then just scoop up these directors because of course now we're going to have a film later this year in the Eternals that is directed by an Academy Award winning best director. <laughs> the reigning best director. So, it's just uh, it's just remarkable what they're able to do with this. So now I want to go, that was kind of my snippet into the production. I wanted to uh, throw it out there to you all. And I'm going to start with Jacqueline again first because she is our guest. And I wanted to uh, just ask if there's anything in particular about this film, whether that be the production design, the sets, the, the action pieces, or even uh, just even some favorite scenes that you enjoyed, whatever it is that you'd like to throw out there into the kitchen sink during this segment so what i haven't already talked about is the scene where nat is with jacob they're in the room and she goes to try and kill him Mm. and she can't well she can't quotation marks because she can because well she has to break her nose first but (laughs) (laughs) so in that moment she can't (laughs) right but just that whole thing and like megan and i talked about this i'm stealing a little bit of her words but just like just not being able to fight your abuser is like that whole thing. And I loved it, like, which is weird, but just the way that it all works together and just how it's, she, she couldn't do it because he was the one that started all this. And she isn't one of the girls that got that, that got the the serum and that got all of that, like mind control and everything. Like she got it because she was one of, you know, she was there from before and they did the weird pheromone and all of that. So it's a different version. And then just her having to get over that was so good. It was so good. Um, and like in going into that part, when we get the little like flashbacks of her and Melina talking about how we're like, Oh, like, how did they know how to do that? Well, because they talked about it. They had this plan. Every single step of this plan was thought out right to the very end. Everything about it. And it was Nat and Molina. And they just knew, like, this is what you have to do. And then you're going to do this. And then this is going to happen. And then you have to break your nose. And then you, like, just all of that, how it just all planned out perfectly was so good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brandon, uh, to you now, Mm -hmm. any thoughts that you have, whether they be production, favorite scenes, anything like that? Yeah, well, Jacqueline kind of made me think during that scene with um, 
Natasha and uh, Drykov, um, we've seen her go up against some of the biggest, you know, intergalactic <laughs> bad guys. And but but it's this guy that makes her flinch, and she flinched a couple of times with this guy. And I'm like, you don't see Natasha flinch very often, but you know, there's more of psychological stuff going on there, and so it really sort of this movie, you know, especially with it having you know being planned to come out last year, it really sort of hit the cultural note that's been going on <laughs> in the country the last couple of years, and. Uh, so I think that, that that makes it, you know, relevant um, for, for the time, but it's still a timeless theme. But uh, yeah, I just I, I love the look. Yeah, I love how each of the set pieces kind of have their own look to them. But my favorite was the prison break, um, mm. I, you know, where you've got, you know, you've got Yelena in the plane. You've got, you know, Lexi down on the ground and, you know, Natasha everywhere in between. And, you know, it, it, it's just a fun, classic, you know, prison break scene and you know the whole you know i don't think we've had an avalanche in a marvel movie yet I don't think we so, it was, <laughs> so i i thought i thought that was wonderfully done and, and and just just exciting you know there's nothing you know better for me sometimes than a good prison break that was very james bond right the it avalanche was. and it everything was. else yeah yes. Absolutely. Yep. And then also uh, when they're using the, um, I don't know what you would even call that technology that they were using as the masks yeah. uh, later yeah. on. It's totally, totally James Bond. I, I get where you're, I definitely can agree with you 100% on this, Brandon, that that is the the mode that they were going for here and they did nail it. And I Jeremy, totally thought it was going to be the finale. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did. I, I texted you, I was like, wait, I thought this was going to be the end. <laughs> Jeremy, uh, anything you wanted to mention? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say the um, the ending set piece is definitely, I think, the crux of the movie. And it works on very, very many levels because we've got so many different levels to it. Um, the <laughs> Natasha Drakov stuff is... Bad, bad dad joke there. Yes, bad dad joke. <laughs> um, the Natasha Drakov stuff is fantastic. Ray Winstone, I don't think, is getting enough, um, you know, praise for this for this part because he is so truly dastardly in the short amount of time that we have him here. Um, and you know, the character in the comics is equally uh, disgusting. But it, it's it's one of those things that. You know, you're right, Brandon. Seeing Natasha in a vulnerable state is not something we've ever really seen except for, you know, the kind of traumatic moments of Endgame. Um, and so it, it's one of those interesting things. But, yeah, um, Craig, you mentioned it earlier, the fight with all the widows. That's insane. That's just awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. And that really gets back to, you know, it's throughout the whole movie, but the practical fight effects that they're doing here, it's really much more in tune with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, very yep. on the ground level, a little bit of shaky cam, kind of that John Wick style of, you know, just getting really close to the action. And it none of it looks implausible. It definitely looks like, you know, okay, they just threw this person halfway across the room. I, I, I've i never tried, but I don't think it's that easy. Um, but, you know, stuff like that. But it all it all seems like, okay, sure, if you've been given Red Room Assassin training for your whole life, I'm sure maybe you've got a little bit of extra strength in there. Um, but it, it's But the way that that entire sequence unfolds, and especially the descent to Earth, because... And it, I always, I always complain about these in other movies, but there's certain things called cartilage scenes that I think are always necessary and needed. Just little brief shots that give us more context that are absolutely needed. And what I loved so much is that they took the time to add that shot of her diving through a helicopter to get that second parachute. And I was like, cause they could have easily cut that out. They could have easily not done that. And it's just like, Oh, a parachute just came out of nowhere and her and Taskmaster dropped down, but they took the time to do that. So when you're directing big, huge action sequences like that, 
I think the attention to detail and they didn't miss any details with that. And then the last thing on the fighting is that I know Taskmaster is kind of this charge point right now because it's, you know, because, okay, we're in spoilers, Dreykov's daughter and, and all that. But right. that was actually genuinely a shock to me when mm-hmm. I was watching. Yeah. I was not expecting that at all. And uh, it's the great action star, Olga Kirilenko, and she's, you know... The, the emoting she's doing through her eyes that, that all of these widows do a lot of times, especially the one that dies and is forced to, you know, kill herself, you know, this, this, this like passion of like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be doing this, but you literally have no choice. Mm-hmm. I just thought that the way they did Taskmaster and the homages to all the other superheroes was fantastic. And I'm glad they didn't kill her. I'm glad that it's, she's still out there somewhere and we don't know what she's going to do. You know, maybe she joins the Thunderbolts. Maybe she's out on her own doing her own thing maybe she's snatched up by i don't know oscorp and becomes their enforcer um maybe hydra rising i don't know but like i I love that they're planting all these seeds out there that's more for the last section but that last set piece is really really thrilling and it shows again why marvel's the best at this yeah absolutely i think everything you said there jer i i 100 agree with and you know it's just uh, remarkable how well this all came together. Now we get to talk about maybe some things that we didn't necessarily behave, enjoy. Behave, and behave. We, we know that, uh, Jacqueline, you mentioned something. You've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, that, you know, David Harbour, he needs a different name. Uh, but is there anything else in the film that you didn't quite connect with or, uh, you didn't necessarily care for? So the only really other thing still has to do with David Harper. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Like, I oh, don't man. hate him. I oh, promise. Man. But he was just so much of that bumbling idiot for mm. so much of it that it pulled focus. It pulled focus a few, quite a few times. Like, I know that he is there to be like, Trying to be this like dad thing. He's like, Oh, I'm so proud of you guys. Like that was funny. And uh-huh. there's like some things where I'm like, okay, like this funniness, that's fine here. It fits. But there were other times where I'm like, it, it just didn't work. It didn't fit with the tone that I was feeling. And I don't know if it's just because of how into it I was. Well, it just didn't it didn't jive with him at the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah. Like I mean, and I understand that he was on assignment. And so, and it was a a while ago. Still, like, you're, I don't know. It just, it did seem like his character from the beginning of the film uh, and then getting into even the latter two thirds of the film uh, were very incongruent. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's really the only things that didn't work a whole lot for me. So sorry, David Harbour. Like I said, he's a great actor. I like him and other stuff. It was just this one that I have the issues with. You know that I am the shill for all things Disney and all things Marvel, so I don't have too much. But I will say that watching this with someone else, again, I don't think that you can fault Marvel for saying that you have to have had some level of homework to go into this to be able to connect you to what is going on in the broader universe. However, I think because of the way that this movie was presented to us out of order, after we already know of Natasha's downfall in Endgame, I, I just I think that some kind of explainer, prologue, I don't know, some kind of connective scene uh, to better set the table for this film 
might have been beneficial for some of the audience. Uh, I don't know that I needed that necessarily, but I do think that, um, you know, I think that this, this could have had some more uh, development in terms of the beginning of the film and really getting you into the headspace of what this is going to be. I do think that the beginning of the film was powerful. So maybe you do it as a, uh, you know, perhaps a, a scene that goes right after the title cards, something like that. I don't know. It, it's just, connecting it to the broader universe it's difficult to know even 100 percent where the timeline is you mentioned earlier kind of joking jeremy that uh you were saying oh we'll have to wait until kevin feige tells us when this takes place you know because it, it could take place at a lot of different times it clear to me i think that it happens right after civil war but but who knows i don't know right so i don't know brandon was there anything that didn't quite work for you um i mean nothing nothing too much it, it's kind of my complaint that I have with a lot of movies of this type. I wish the camera would pan back a little further. I feel like sometimes you're too much in the action and the camera gets a little shaky sometimes. And so it's like, I can't follow who's who sometimes, <laughs> but um, no, other, uh, we didn't see enough of William Hurt. You know, I wish we had seen a little more of William Hurt just cause you know, I love William Hurt, but um I don't know. I, I kind of, I see where you're coming from. I feel like, you know, they, they built up Taskmaster as this, you know, big bad guy. And I felt like the fight with Taskmaster and Red Guardian was a little too comical. Um, the, like we were saying. And then I kind of feel like after, you know, the whole, um, everything has collapsed and Drycott's dead and they're back on the ground. I feel like everything with Taskmaster was wrapped up a little too quickly. Um, I feel like they could have, you know, it is a two hour and 15 minute movie, but I feel like they could have taken just a couple more minutes on that. But, but no, other than that, I don't have any major complaints. Okay. Jeremy, bring us home on this uh, particular topic. Yeah, I can see what, I can see what you're saying with, um, some of that. And I think Brandon, uh, when we see um, Shang-Chi out in uh, September, they're going to pull the camera back and let us watch all that yes. glorious <laughs> Kung Fu. Um, so I will say that, um, you know, I, I, I kind of echo what somebody else said earlier that, yeah, Rachel Vice really doesn't do a ton in this movie. She's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's Rachel freaking Vice, but um you know, it, most of her stuff is just very kind of like, oh, playing off of Alexi, you know, <laughs> like saying something weird or, um, but then again, that does kind of, I think, jive with her character. You know, she's been through the Red Room multiple times, not just once like most of these girls now. So, you know, she would have a sharp control of her emotions. She would never let her guard down. Um, but, you know, like I, I do just think that that's an interesting dynamic there, but she, yeah, just not a lot for her to do in this movie. And I will agree with you about the Red Guardian Taskmaster fight. I would have loved to have seen Red Guardian get some offense in. I didn't see him yeah. get any offense. He just kept taking hits. And mm -hmm. again, I don't know if that was maybe cutting room floor stuff. They wanted to make sure it's 215 instead of 218. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like that's that was something I would have liked to have seen because we've established that this he's got game. You know, he's in prison breaking <laughs> people's arms, arm wrestling. He, he's got some game, guys. So, I mean, let's just let him out there. Although it does make, I guess, Taskmaster seem, seem that bit much bigger too. Um, and the only other thing to me, and I, whenever I have these complaints, I always try to think of how I would do it differently. And this is one I don't really have an answer for. But when they uh, finally cut to present day and they're doing Yelena and the other widow's uh, mission there, it seems like all of that happens really quick with the dust and, and, and Yelena waking up. And we don't really get a lot of context of it. I know that comes later. But to me, like, you know, I was sitting here watching this amazing opening. And then there's this cool chase sequence that, that's going really cool here. And then all of a sudden... 
you know, Florence Pugh, Yelena is just sitting there completely different. And she's sad about killing this person she was just chasing. And then it's just kind of left alone for another like 15, 20 minutes in the movie. So that, that to me felt like it was kind of like, ah, I would have liked a little bit more there, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's even just her running into a doorway and panting, you know, looking at her hands or something, but I don't know that I, I again, I can't really think of how I would do it differently, but that was just one where it was just like, okay, well, I hope that comes back. And luckily it did. So. Panting and looking at her hands. That's yep. your answer. <sighs> Give me a call, Kevin Feige. You know what I'm doing, man. <sighs> anyway. Yes, that, that exact way. <laughs> now is when we get to thoroughly embarrass ourselves and talk about where we think the MCU is heading from here. Now, this is kind of, I believe, the order. Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong because I am doing this off the top of my head. I did not look this up. We have at least one more episode at time of recording of whatever the heck is going on with Loki. Uh, there's uh, all sorts of weird Lokis running Protect around. Protect the timeline, man. Protect it's, the timeline. It's, it's trying to bring me back into it, but those first three Erase, episodes man. were maybe some of the most boring things I've seen in the MCU. So uh, it's it's trying. It's trying to <laughs> you claw got me back in. in the last episode. Embrace <laughs> it, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, then we're going to have the What If series, which makes a whole lot of sense now because we were thinking, uh, I guess I never tied it in to Loki specifically that it would go from Loki kind of breaking the whole idea of this timeline and now we get to explore it in what if and this is a great way to set us up for that multiverse of madness that we have coming uh, along the way i believe after what if i think the next series we are going to get is hawkeye am i correct there jeremy it's it's still incomplete about when hawkeye or ms marvel is coming out um but those are the two that are still due out this year from disney plus and of course, we do have Shang-Chi, the film coming in September, and Eternals, I believe, is dropping in November. November, so, yes. Yeah. And then and Spider-Man 3 the- dropping in December. So Yeah, yeah does, does She-Hulk <laughs> also come this year? Or is that no, like- She-Hulk's due out early next year. I'm guessing more in the WandaVision slot, maybe February. I think that one's supposed to come out, but uh, that will be the next one after Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel. All right, so then uh, this is, is where we right get now. to kind of run wild on what our speculation is. I will say that maybe the timing of this worked out fairly well for us as an audience because we just had Yelena in this film. She's obviously going to play a big role in Hawkeye, and there would have been a much larger gap between when this movie came out and when Hawkeye was going to be released. I'm even wondering if maybe that post credit scene was something that was filmed later Later on, uh, closer to the release date here, they might have still had some pieces moving. Honestly, uh, it, this last 18 months, my brain is mush, so I can't tell you specifically when casting announcements happened, when announcements of Hawkeye as a series happened, all of that. I know it happened a while ago, but I am wondering if maybe some of the story has been developing along the way here. It'd be really interesting in the shooting schedule to know when that post credit scene was filmed. But Jacqueline, what is it you want to see from here? Where do you think we're going? First, I just want to say that Julia Louis-Dreyfus's premiere was supposed to be Black Widow, and it was supposed mm-hmm. to be last year. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Good to just, know. She was, a, she was supposed to show know. up here. This yeah, was supposed to be was, her first appearance, and then Captain America, the, uh, or no, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Right. Um, that yeah. was supposed to be the, oh, the crap, second. the movies are coming into the shows now. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. It was okay. supposed to be that way instead of this way. But anyway, I... I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows what's happening. 
but I am the most, I'm so excited for what if I, I, I can't wait. I'm so excited. We finally have a date like August 11th. I'm going to be sitting there just like, okay, I have to watch it right now. I can't wait. Um, I'm also like ready for Hawkeye, but I don't know if Yelena is going to be the biggest part of that. I don't think that she is. I think there's going to be other things because we have to have Kate Bishop Mm -hmm. and like Kate Bishop has nothing to do with Yelena at this point that we know, you know? So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where she fits in there and where they end up going with that. Um, and we're supposed to get another Loki season in January next year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just going to break time even more <laughs> because we're going to get that and we're still not going to have the multiverse until after that. So there's just so many different things that can happen. And well, I know that like Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And, yeah. I think Spider- <laughs> I know that, but like Dr. Strange, whatever the, the hell that movie is, we're <laughs> not getting until the end of next year. But yeah, I don't, I have no idea what's going on in Spider-Man. <laughs> no, nobody like, does. I hope they never say anything. Just a big no. three on a poster. That's it. Yeah, It's just like Spider-Man three at the end, <laughs> because I, I don't know. And if you guys know, if you've listened to any of our other Marvel, any of my Marvel episodes, I don't trust Marvel. <laughs> Anything that they say to me, I don't believe until I see it happen <laughs> because they like to lie and they like to be like, oh, we're going to do this. And then it doesn't happen or they do it. We, I don't know. So I don't trust anything. So, yeah, we could have all this stuff with Yelena and Valentina and U.S. agent and all that kind of stuff. And then they're just going to be like, never mind. Like, I will tell you, uh, the, the other thing that they're really good about is putting the first 20 minutes of the film into the trailer and that being basically the whole trailer. Because uh, you go back and you watch those Infinity War and Endgame trailers and you're like, oh yeah, okay. So they yeah. basically just did a summation of the first 30 minutes of the film. That was perfect. Right. Um, Jeremy... Where do you think we're heading from here? What is it that you want to see? What are you most excited about? Whatever way you want to take this. Well, I mentioned in the article, too, that really the MCU is in a big point of transition. And I don't know if they exactly know. I mean, if you ask Kevin Feige, he will always say they have like a 50-year plan um, that they're currently still involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love that they're doing right now, they're, they're planting seeds everywhere. Um, throughout this stuff the disney plus shows and how good they have been is literally the key to all this they're really running themselves a lot like their comics division now where the movies can really kind of serve these big bombastic points and you can really develop character in in this way through these series but it's letting you lay these threads everywhere sure we could be getting a thunderbolts movie from this it makes sense i mean you know who is valentina working for doesn't Thunderbolt Ross makes sense. <laughs> I mean, he's the secretary of uh, secretary of state, uh, defense or state. No, he's the secretary of state in this iteration. And, you know, he's dabbled in the super soldier serum before he's got a clear disdain for certain kinds of superheroes. Why not make an anti-hero team? And, he, mm-hmm. and that certainly seems to make sense. Dark Avengers makes sense. It's been rumored for forever. Everyone getting lost in a multiverse going into secret wars makes sense. I mean, you know, every single thing is, is, is starting to be planted out there. And again, like I said, I would love to see a show just about these women going around and and awakening their fellow people. Mm -hmm. They are doing such a good job of giving themselves options. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really a thing here because now with this movie, Tony Stark's gone, 
Captain America's gone. Well, okay. Steve Rogers is gone. Natasha is gone. I mean, who knows what's going to happen to Thor? He's going up against Gore the God Butcher, but you know, and I think that <laughs> Hawkeye is actually probably going to be Jeremy Renner's exit as well. I don't know if they'll kill him, but you know, probably retire to that farm. And yeah. I think that what what we're seeing here is that they are not literally going like, okay, these are your new Avengers. They're literally setting up like, look at all these cool characters we've got that we can do so much with. I mean, wouldn't you love to see David Harbour's Red Guardian in some kind of a team up? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's all there. They're doing Moon Knight. They're doing She-Hulk. They're doing freaking Blade is happening right now too. I mean, like they're doing so much, so much flag planting and so much like spreading out that I don't know where they're going for the first time in, in a long time. And I love it. I cannot wait to see what they do. I'm right there with you. I, what I appreciate about this is that they, they, everybody wants to say, you know, what is the next Thanos? What is the next Avenger level event that we're going to be getting? And I kind of would like them to play with these individual pieces for a while. I like having those more subdued, like low level threat action films that, um, like this, you know, that you, you don't need to question, like, why would Natasha not just call in her Avengers buddies to help her in this situation? Because she doesn't need to. Like, she can take care of business on her own here. It doesn't need to always be uh, this world-ending potential event. And I like that. I like that we can get to story development. And I, I, I can't wait to see where they go from here because we are getting some of the most obscure characters being plucked out of the comics for us and being put on the screen in a way that I would have never imagined. And I just love, I, I don't know how much longer this superhero bubble is going to go. It Westerns, uh, they lasted for a while. So I think we got some time here, right, Brandon? You're, you, you Let me know that we have more time. Please tell me we have more time. Yeah. Westerns lasted about 50 years. So yeah. All right. We're good. Okay. Guys. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Brandon. All right. Uh, so, remind uh, me how much money this made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also, a uh, subsequent question Do movie studios care about money? <laughs> Brandon, please answer. But I am so, uh, I'm so happy for wherever they go and whatever direction they go. And I kind of like the idea of not everyone needing to team up in a movie again for a good long time. I yes. think that because uh, then we even... don't have to worry about them all dying. <laughs> right, right. But you know, like uh, or just little teams, just little teams. Like do, you can do like you can have a Yelena movie, and I don't know, maybe Kate Bishop shows up for a little bit. You know, it's wanna... easy to do in the series, but yeah, yeah. do them. I want to see. I want to see Yelena with Sam and Bucky. That'd be fun. Oh my yes. god! <laughs> Every oh, sass in that movie. <laughs> Every now and then I go back and I watch the end game fight because – and actually I decided I made a, a judgment call in my mind as I was finishing ID4 on Independence Day that like the end game fight is also going to become part of my rotation uh, for Independence Day. No connection at all to America. That's fine. Well, other than that Captain America in that moment that still <laughs> just gives me the the biggest feels when he's standing in that field uh, against Thanos' whole army and he's standing up to them whereas iron man would probably have laid down in the fetal position at that point but you know uh, what he saved listen. the entirety of existence he thank did. you very much but it just it, you know when wong is, is there and he and uh, dr strange says something like is that it and he looks at him and just goes you want more 
Benedict Wong, for president, so, by the way. Yes. I, I just, I just think, um, you know, I am, I'm totally fine with it being uh, little team ups. Uh, I'm with the Guardians going off of Thor, and I'm fine with uh, our new Captain America finding ways to go off with some of these other people. Uh, I just. I am ready for those individual pieces to move around as they will, um, maybe not necessarily as a whole. Uh, Brandon, anything you want to see? Kind of, I know that you're sort of new to this whole thing, but you now are one of us, one of us, one, one of, of us. us. One no, of it's, us. no, it's no, it's just it's fun because I'm kind of a blank slate when I go into these things, except for the things I hear. So I'm just like, okay, Marvel, tell me a story. I don't know, you know, what what to expect, what not to expect, but I like that we're going to get little, you know, side characters that I really like, you know, I know Don Cheadle's going to get his own bit at some yeah. point. Because, oh, uh, yeah. because I, because I, I love Rhodey. Um, and I know, so it, it's just going to be fun to see all these, um, you know, characters that don't get enough development in the actual movies, you know, be developed. I, you know, I can make small predictions, you know, I'm sure we'll know more after Wednesday's episode of Loki. Um, of, of what might be coming, but, um, I'm sure we'll see Julia Louis Dreyfus and more end credit scenes coming up because it seems to mirror how we saw Sam Jackson and all the early MCU mm-hmm. movies and, and, and the end credits. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just, it's fun. It's fun. So I'm, I'm excited to see what's coming because I can't tell you what's coming. <laughs> yeah. And also, like before wrap up, subverting our, our expectations, you know, it's been uh, what 11, 12 years of the MCU now. Going on 13, I think, 2008. Yeah. So, you know, we, we all naturally feel like we can start figuring this stuff out. And of course, Hollywood secrets are the easiest secrets to break, but subvert our expectations, you know, like don't give us a team up movie for another three or four years, then bring in Galactus or Kang or something like that, who we know is already showing up in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. So, I mean, like, yeah, let's just broaden the field here. You, you've already shown that Black Widow is going to make you over $200 million worldwide in her opening weekend. Like, broaden the field, get this big spectrum and bring in those Netflix characters. I want my Charlie Cox Daredevil back, you know, like, let's keep this going. <laughs> Now's the time where usually I would suggest that we rate this film and then my co-host Brett and Vanessa would yell at me for five minutes that we don't do that. But I know that Jeremy really likes to do that. So I feel very torn. I'm like a child in between two households here. So what I'm going to have us do, because we all have different things that we're going to want to promote at the end here, I am going to first go to Jeremy and I want you to promote our network as a whole, sir, and uh, anything that you want to talk about with Are You Afraid of the podcast and then i would like you to give your rating of this film sure uh just again everybody always knows the network is only got eight thousand shows now and they're all amazing um larry smith's birthday is today the day we're recording listen to convince me but um i do know that we've got some full disclosures coming out in the can we got one for the new netflix film awake for in the heights that are coming out craig and i recorded that um i also got the chance to do this amazing interview with this new documentary called the people versus agent orange i got to talk to the director and the main subject of that film and it's all about um the chemical agent agent orange uh, the chemicals that they used in vietnam that then they started using in the United States in the seventies without really telling anyone and uh, one community's uh, fight to get it, uh, to get it banned. And it's a, uh, it's a truly harrowing documentary. Um, it's on PBS and Amazon right now. So uh, I highly recommend that. And the conversation we have is 
very, very moving. So uh, do that. And I give Black Widow 9 out of 10 because it's fantastic. A 9 out of 10. Jacqueline, you tell us where we can go find your show and then give us your rating as well. So my show uh, is I Think You're Going to Like This. Um, It's also abbreviated just like this pod. Um, We are on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We have a Facebook group. We attempt Twitter (laughs) with like this underscore pod. We're not very good at Twitter. Um, but we do have Instagram and we're really good at Instagram. Um, that's like this pod yeah, on Instagram. Um, Megan does all of our graphics for that. She has all of our graphics for everything. She's amazing. I could not do it. Um, but you can find us there. We generally post our feed on Facebook. We have a website through Simplecast. Um, we have a bunch of stuff to listen to. You don't have to listen to everything. We have so many different like genres of things going on. Something will, somebody will like something. My dad listened to one and he doesn't like any of the same things that we do (laughs) other than comics. So, um, we have that. Um, and I will give black widow, I'd give it a nine and a half out of 10. Wow. Some high marks so far, Mr. Brandon Davis. What about you? Oh, well, classics. Um, We just released an episode on Gentlemen Prefer Blondes last week. Um, And then coming up, uh, Lou Hare, our host of Guilty Pleasures, joined me and Eric for uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, It's a a fun episode. And then shortly after, and I believe he's releasing it shortly after, um, Larry Smith joins me and Lou to discuss Smokey and the Bandit 2 on his podcast, which I still haven't forgiven him for making me watch that. But uh, but, we we, so that's the rest of July. And coming up, uh, we're going to kick off August. Uh, our friend Eddie Muller from TCM is coming back, and he has a reprinting of his book, Dark City, The Lost World of Film Noir. Um, and so we're going to discuss the book with him, and that'll be our first episode in August. But um, you can find us all the places, Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, like, like Jacqueline. I'm, I'm trying to be good at Twitter. I'm better at Instagram. Um, but, 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 yeah, Facebook. And um, you can email us um, any requests. Quest or anything at classicsfrn at gmail.com. And what's your rating for the movie? Oh, um, 8.5. All right. All right. We've got an 8.5, a 9, and a 9.5 going into my rating, which I'll give you up top here. I would say uh, this was a good film. I, it had a, a couple of moments in it. I would, I, let's, let's say, uh, I'll give it an eight. I'll give it an eight. That way we have an eight, an 8.5, a nine, nine and a 9.5 9. going into this. Um, so we do our, we're having a lot of fun over on Beyond the Mouse. So this summer, we've really wanted to focus on people going back into the parks and giving you a lot of different trip reports. So we're actually in the middle of recording a few of those now. Those will be coming out in subsequent weeks. We just learned about the Walt Disney birthplace, which is actually up in Chicago. So it's really cool that we can bring Walt back to the Midwest, and we love to do that whenever we can. And I will tell you, this is a huge teaser. I know it. I, I get that. But I got an email yesterday that I showed both to Brandon and I showed to Jeremy, and I freaked out a little bit. So uh, maybe something coming up in the future that'll be very cool. Jacqueline, I can tell you offline uh, what that will be. But <laughs> I like, also wanted to take know. just a moment, and uh, I wanted to just acknowledge uh, an interview that we have coming out. Uh, Vanessa Ferguson has started to do some more of our book and author interviews. And one of the first people they were able to interview, my wife picked up this book by Hazel Gaynor, uh, and it really 
really just won her over so much that she started reading all of this woman's wonderful books. And so they were able to speak with her uh, all the way from Ireland. And that interview will be coming out on the Front Row Network feed in the relatively near future as well. It's just a lovely conversation. And it was kind of like, oh my gosh, Anna, you do such a great job. It was a lot of husband pride in that interview. So I would encourage you to go and check that out. Before you Jeremy? go... I didn't plug my own show because I was a little unsure of it, but I can announce to you, Are You Afraid of the Podcast is returning this Friday. Oh, The nice. Tale of Cutter's Treasure Part yeah. 1. So we will be coming back. We've literally had people on our Facebook page asking if we're all right, <laughs> like wondering where we are. So lo and behold, announced here, Are You Afraid of the Podcast returning this Friday um, I don't know. What's the date? Uh, <laughs> the uh, 16th, I believe, of July. So if you, uh, I believe, if I recall correctly, your interview with DJ McHale, The Tale of Cutter's Treasure is his favorite, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So it's a good one to come back to for sure. Uh, it's just been so great to have you join us, Jacqueline. Please come back Thank all you. the time because you love all the Marvel <laughs> things and we love your show as well. Can't wait to continue to listen to what you have going on there. And also, I should remind everybody, I'm going to be on an episode in the relatively near future. So check that out as well. So for the Front Row Network, I am Craig. I'm Jeremy. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jacqueline. And we will see you in the front row. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio, Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.